What I think is lacking sometimes is the appreciation. When the New York Times has an article on us, everyone gets so excited. And I just think about a future where if we don't continue to decide as a community to support our local journalism entities, that is one article in the New York Times a year enough? I don't, I don't think so. I think that we have so many stories, you know, that we could tell every single day. Welcome to Seriously Catherine, a podcast about taking your business seriously, but not yourself. On this week's episode of Seriously Catherine, I am joined by Abby Tegnalia. She is the CEO of local media company Empire Media and editor-in-chief of Capital Region Living and Saratoga Living. Let's get to it. Warning to all the parents who may be listening to this podcast with their children in earshot. I suggest before you listen to this next segment, you get the kids out of the car or um, put headphones in. This week's hot take is surrounding the elf on the shelf. And maybe you had me pegged, like you thought I was down to, to play this game of lying to my children about the elf on the shelf, but I'm not that person. I do believe in Disney, all things Disney, but when it comes to elf on the shelf, I'm a hard pass. So my mom bought us that book and the elf when Posey was little, and I surely could have incorporated it then, but I was thinking the long game, right? Like, do I have the stamina? Do I have the perseverance to keep this show up for years and years to come? And I knew then that I did not have it in me. So we opted to not do it. And then, of course, along comes, like, Posey was fine. She totally rolled with the not having the elf on the shelf, and I don't even think it, like, it wasn't even an issue. But as you can imagine, if you've been listening to this podcast, Posey is not the problem child. That would be Ruby, and she has issue with this. So it came up, right? And she's like, why don't we have a shelf? I mean, and an elf, <laughs> an elf sitting on the shelf. So initially, I just sort of said, like, look, I've got Santa's number. I don't need some, you know, like, mischievous elf surveilling our family and checking to see if like we're doing things the right way right so she totally took that we're running with it and it's and it's worked so far but I do think this child is not ordinary she is going to come back for me for more answers to the question of why we don't have an elf on the shelf so I've got an arsenal of responses because it's not like I don't I mean it's sort of hypocritical to be like, I'm not going to lie to my kid and pretend like this elf on the shelf is a thing, right? But then I'm also going to lie to my kid and tell her that I got Santa's number. So what I told Ruby is I have Santa Claus's number, uh, like one eight. I mean, I got I got the man's number, okay? And he's looking out anyway. I mean, Santa is looking out already. And also, there's the other thing. Like, if your kids are good, you don't need the extra support from a from an elf, Okay, so that, that's like the storyline I'm going with. Also, I don't like fairies in my house. This isn't where fairies and elves, they don't belong inside. They're woodland creatures. They, they, don't, they can't be inside the house. They need their freedom to fly and do magical things. And those things don't happen inside. That's my other wing. I don't know. I would like to hear from other parents who are anti-elf-on-the-shelf parents. We need to stand together on this. We need to support one another. And we need to just share you know, the strategies here, because I don't know. I mean, I have a feeling Ruby's going to run through these. She's going to not eat them up. She's going to be like, I call you out. You're lying. But I do stand by my decision to to opt out of this charade because it's exhausting. And I know I wouldn't be able to come up with creative ways the elf is, you know, playing ball here. 
over the course of three children, I just, it's too much. I bow down to the people who have been able to do this and sustain themselves. And there are so many amazing creative solutions. I remember when Frozen came out, there were some like, you know, Elsa, the Elsa doll froze the elf in a block of ice or something. That was hilarious. I've seen another one where it's like a note from the elf saying like, I tried to bring you a snowman from the North Pole, but it melted. So it's like a bowl with a carrot and like two coal. I'm sure this woman didn't use coal. I'm sure it was like some other piece of dirt. Anyway, it was cute. There's a lot of a lot of adorable and creative ways to continue lying to your children. Also, this is the other thing, right? Like I do feel if we need to leverage an elf on the shelf to get our kids to behave themselves, something's not right. Like, I, what do you do for the rest of the year? Like, there's got to be another thing. Is there an Easter elf? Is there a Christmas? I mean, like, I need, I need other solutions to, like, hold that together for the long term, right? Like, so, again, I'm, it's like self-preservation, and also it's a loaded topic. I think people are going to come for me because— they because I'm I'm the anti elf on the shelf person, but I do have to tip my hat to my sister in law Mandy because last night she actually came over and brought an advent calendar for the kids. So it's like one of those shoe hangers that she goes over the and she's got them all numbered and all the kids have something to unwrap every day and there's a little calendar so they're counting down to Christmas. And don't you know this morning was such a smooth experience, which is not usually the case for me in the morning. And it was all because of this damn advent calendar. And I, I'm like, thank the good baby Jesus that Mandy is in our lives and she's so nearby and she brought this thing over because they were so well behaved. So, you know, I don't have all the answers. I'm not, I don't have it all figured out. And I know this sounds like so hypocrite. I'm, I'm calling myself out on the hypocrisy because I'm saying no to Elf on the Shelf, but yes, the advent calendar, yes to Santa in general. I'm also lying to my children that I have Santa's phone number and they all believe it. And, you know, whatever it takes for us to get through the day and through the season and through this thing called parenting, send me some feedback. I want to hear your creative ideas on how you get through it. And that's all I have to say about that. Okay, so if you know me, you know that I love what I do. And I'm a workaholic, so if I ever have a chance to get away, I can't go too far away without my kids and without being so far away from work. The Adelphi is my go-to. What's really great about the Adelphi is that it has everything you need. It's right there on Broadway. It has a restaurant. It's got the breakfast joint. It's got it all. And the room service is amazing. So last Christmas, we did Christmas Day night at the Adelphi. We booked the Polaris suite, which is really special because it has a hot tub on the balcony. And the kids loved it. It was so much fun. We ordered room service. And it was just like the most special thing. And again, it's got a jacuzzi. I mean, who doesn't want to use a jacuzzi at the Adelphi. If you don't have the opportunity to stay at the Adelphi, you can still go and hang out in their in their lobby or eat at their restaurants. The best sushi in town, by far, I believe is at the Adelphi. You should get the rainbow roll. You can thank me later. It's delicious. It's absolutely the bomb. If you are local and you need a night off or a night away, don't go too far. Go right there to the Adelphi. Book yourself a room, have dinner there, have breakfast in the morning, and you'll feel like a totally different person when you wake up. This week from Saratoga Living, they reported on a 32-year-old book club. Now, I usually get kicked out of the book clubs that I'm a member of because I don't read the books, so I'm a fan of 
book clubs where you're not judged if you didn't read the book. Like, I'm a mom. I got little kids. I mean, it gets to the point where you join a book club because you just want to be around other humans without children and drink some wine and have deep conversations. And I can certainly engage in the topic of the book. Like, it doesn't take a rocket science to sort of, like, get there. I don't know if this 32-year-old book club would let me in, is the the ultimate conclusion I came to after reading this article, is they would probably be like, oh, yeah, no, you're a little too much. You are not reading the book. You're drinking too much wine and on another book club. Kudos to this book club. Over 30 two-year-old book club. I I would actually love to, to, maybe they said this in the article, but like, how do they, how? Were there guidelines? Were there values that they said? Were there bylaws? What are the requirements and how they keep everybody like on it? Showing up, reading the book. I mean, think of all the shit that went down over 32 years. That's a lot of books and that's a lot of life experiences being shared amongst you. Because, I mean, you talk about the book, but they're talking about other stuff too. Marriages, divorce, deaths, babies, all the things. So tell us a little about how you came to live in this idyllic upstate New York city in the the country. So 2018, actually, Saratoga Living was in the process of Uh, turning over to new owners, and a person who was working there I had worked with in Las Vegas. After Las Vegas, I moved to California. He moved back to New York City. So I was doing a lot of work from California on the magazine, but then also ended up doing work for a bunch of companies in Saratoga via the owner of the magazine. So finally, I got talked into moving here. (laughs) Um, They strategically sort of had me come during certain months, I think. (laughs) And I came out here and I was working at three companies. It was a a three-parter. And over time, I was clearly spending more time at the magazine. That makes sense. That is my background. And the CEO of the time, my predecessor, uh, left in the middle of the night in February 2020. And so uh, I ended up taking over, and four days later, we closed the offices, and all of a sudden, I was alone in a town where I really hadn't met a lot of people yet, running this new company and uh, alone in my house. So that's Um, my cheerful— Like, literally left dead in the night, like, no heads up, or— An Instagram story of a nighttime (laughs) driving over a bridge, yeah. And you were like, oh, my God, where'd you go? Well, you landed a pretty awesome job. I mean, I guess in hindsight, we can all say what a wonderful journey it's been, but I certainly was so grateful to have met you. And I think that there is something powerful about an outsider mm-hmm. coming in. I mean, you can I consider myself an outsider. I felt very like, oh, I'm not from around here, sort of vibes when I moved here. And it, that can sort of startle people and make them feel like, they're not welcome, which is the antithesis of what I want people to ever feel around me. You just articulated that very well, and that is a lot of that specific to this area. I had in my background moving to Las Vegas where everyone's a transient, basically, and to them it's like, oh, someone new, bring her out to dinner. Who is she? Is she normal? And immediately, and it's just this yes town, and they're open to ideas, and everyone's looking for the next big thing, and Then I moved here, and it was a little bit insular, a little bit, oh, we've been doing things this way for so long. Why change it? But I just kind of stuck to who I am and kept at it. And now a lot of those ideas that originally I'd been told absolutely not to, not only are we doing them, but I see companies around town doing them, and that makes my heart happy. 
Yeah, I mean, you're not imitation. Yes. Okay, but like, let's talk about that. Like when people, because I've experienced this too, where it's like, oh, I had that idea. Oh, I'm, I might have told you about this. Wait, wait a minute. Did we have this conversation? <laughs> and it's always sort of like, I, I think earlier on, I was sort of like, you know, irritated by it. Yes. But now yes. I'm just super flattered. And if anything, I empower people to go out and do things, which I think is really cool. It's an amazing statement to say that you've chosen to be this part of the community that maybe part of your role is is doing things first that someone else who just didn't have that personality to do it first is doing the second in a totally different way. Yeah. It's planting the seeds. I love that. Just yeah. planting the seed and then letting things happen the, the way they're supposed to. And who am I to do everything? I'm only one person and I'm right. a mom of three. I have a husband. I have like a life that I need to also foster. Yes. The, cultivate it into a thing that is enjoyable. So I love it. I'm all about like, hey, you got a great idea, go for it. If anything, I just want people to see someone like them doing it so that they feel like they can do it too. I love it. Community support is is super, super important to me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a journalist at a local media company, right? So any of that is kind of our bread and butter. So I love to hear it. This sort of magical thing happened. I still, I was determined to make our events an important part of our company. We have a celebratory local magazine and bringing the community together is just something I was not willing to compromise on. And so even during track, during 2020, when no one could go, I, at the big screen at Putnam Place, had people come and you know, had the actual programs and had swag from Naira and you know little things like that. Well, we had our summer event scheduled for June 1st, June 2nd, whatever day that was. And unexpectedly, all of the restrictions were lifted June 1st. <laughs> so we had this moment of all of a sudden our party was packed. And it was the first year that we had had Good Karma Studio. There's amazing acrobatic. Um, hanging from the ceiling and doing these kinds of things. I was like, oh, this is like kind of the Vegas vibe I really wanted. And it was just so beautiful because everyone came and everyone was awkward. No one knew how close to stand to people without their mask on. And, and it was just a beautiful thing. And I was like, okay, this is why I'm here. And then from there, it just got better and better and better and better. As I started to meet all the right people and, you know, just do what we were able to do. During COVID, we couldn't do a cover photo shoot, you know, so that... We just had a lot of limitations on on how many locals we were able to put in the magazine, right? Yeah. And so once we were able to be able, you know, we do our events again and do the magazine the way we wanted, it's been um, uphill since, so. Yeah, and I, mean, I think every year since then, it's just getting better and better and better. Yeah, and people, I th what I felt during COVID was a huge sense of community and an opportunity for us to demonstrate what that means, you know, coming together, helping one another, supporting each other, having very hard conversations. About, yes, absolutely. I, mean, I think I think you and I got to know each other during that time. Yes. It was sort of like, <laughs> we need to be the ones like moving forward, moving ahead. Saratoga should be a beacon of light for the whole state, if not the whole country, on how to do things, right? Do things safely, do things out in the open, outside, outdoors. Like we all have to really, we do have to carry on, you know, and sustain Absolutely. ourselves somehow. Yes. So I really enjoyed seeing everyone's true colors during that time. That's an excellent way to put Isn't it. Isn't that a fun way to put it? <laughs> yes. I mean, you can read between the lines. I mean, there were some, there were some 
characters during that period that I think capitalized on cr the crisis and in a, in a negative way. Um, but you sure as hell were not one of them. Thank you. Y you came from a journalism background. I did. Like traveling did. journalism. Why do I get the sense that you were like a travel journalist? So I was. You like, you like to, <laughs> do you like to travel also? So my career path, I started off in New York City. I worked at New York Magazine. So really started at what I think is the number one celebratory local magazine. They do some hard-hitting stuff that only works in New York City. But And I, you know, I often say in many ways you are your first job. So I should have known that was going to come back around. But I took a long time off and did the celebrity thing. So um, Us Weekly, In Touch, Even Okay for a little while, Star for a hot second, uh, for years and years and years and years. And then that slowly brought me to the West Coast. Eventually, I became the editor-in-chief of Vegas Magazine, which is all about the highest-end food and wine and that kind of thing. And okay. so through that, I ended up doing food and wine. Then I moved to Northern California and kind of wine country. And there, food and wine means travel. Like, that is their whole thing. So then I had always been a huge traveler my whole life. And that is when it became food, wine, travel. And that's all I did for a very long time. Awesome. Until I moved here. Yes. And so you land here, and do you feel like there is enough to go around as far as, like, information, news, like, trends, like, do you know what I mean? There like some is people so much. think, yeah, like some people think like, oh, you live in this little small town. But for me, it's there's so much, so much to talk about. There is so much to talk about. The first point is I moved here from the Bay Area, where driving to dinner, you know, 90 minutes each way is not abnormal. Here, people tend to not go very far. So I tend to push and push and push. We're not, you know, we're Saratoga living. We also have capital region living. And Saratogians can go to Albany for something. I don't know. So there's just so much content out there. And yes, I think there is enough. Um, what I think is lacking sometimes is the appreciation um, when the New York Times has an article on us, everyone gets so excited. And I just think about a future where if we don't continue to decide as a community to support our local journalism entities, that is one article in the New York Times a year enough? I don't, I don't think so. I think that we have so many stories, you know, that we could tell every single day. And so that that's more of my concern. Yes, there's plenty of content, plenty of stories, plenty of local characters to celebrate. We have so much to write about. Yeah. We need to figure out how to stay in business. And that is a decision that as the community, we need to decide if that's important to us or not. Yeah. I mean, I get this a lot when I'm mm -hmm. traveling, right? Like I we Marcella and I went, was that last year? We went to Austin for um a, like a women's conference. Nice. And when we told people there, oh, where you know, where are you from? We're like, we're from you know, upstate New York. Oh, where exactly? Well, right outside of Albany, Saratoga Springs. Sar oh, my God, the capital. Like, so I still consider Saratoga Springs a part of the capital region. I will, like, yes. I will yes. die on that that sword. Absolutely. You know, some, because I actually had a conversation with somebody, and I said, you know, something about the capital region. She's like, well, I mean, you're you're in the Adirondacks. And I'm like, the foothills of Adirondacks <laughs> is the capital region. Like, we all have to yes. sort of embrace that and own it. And because when you go out outside of this region, we're badass. We're the Empire State. We're near the capital region of the Empire State. It's like, it's, we're a big deal. And the faster that we recognize this and support our own, yes. the, the better yes. we'll be and the more impact that we'll have. 
Absolutely. You've done a lot of different things. I mean, there's no denying that, right? Like I think in the past, and I would say like I moved here 12 years ago. So 12 years ago, I felt like this, the magazine, it, there were some like pillar events and that was it. You have taken a different take. You've kind of like embraced the challenge of bringing this publication into the future. Yeah, that's been our goal this whole time. Every single thing we do, is this a short-term goal or is it a long-term goal? And 42% of the people that we surveyed told us that they keep the magazines for a year or longer, many of them forever. And so I want each one to be that coffee table style book, you know? And so we do that six times a year. Printing costs and paper costs have gone up astronomically since I moved here. So it really is a lot of those kind of belt tightening decisions as well. And then to make up for that, we do our Substack, which you guys are very familiar with, three times a week. And, you know, our social media is active. And so we try to balance both of those, having that celebratory coffee table book and then being on top of what's going on in Saratoga as well. Like, why do you care so much about getting these really amazing stories out into the world? Well, my journalism origin story, I can start with that. My earliest diary says that I was going to be a writer. And it actually says something like, you know, fill in what you want to be when you grow up. And I didn't say I want to be a writer. I said, I am a writer. And so I have known my entire life, and that's just who I am. And I feel like a lot of journalists have that very contradictory part about them. Oh, it's so hard. It's underappreciated. It's so many hours. Uh, you know, it's dying. What do we do? How do we get the community to get on board? I'm just going to run and do it anyway, you know, because yeah. it's, it's who you are. It's just, it's truly, truly who I am. And it's why I'm here. When I talk about my passion, I hope that the takeaway from someone hearing that is, oh, well, what is my passion? And let me go do that. Because I truly feel like we all are here for a certain purpose. And we did talk about that a little bit earlier when you said your purpose might be to, to do something first and someone else's purpose might be they have something else that they're focused on, but they needed that first person. Now they're going to do this thing, something, you know, totally differently. Um, I think our truly our goal in life is just to find out what your purpose is. And I was lucky enough to know mine when I was very little. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then I I mean for me I just love listening to stories and hearing stories and yes. and the the authentic honest real stories is just so intriguing to me and then I'm also very skeptical so I'm constantly digging deeper and deeper and yes. deeper you have to be a special <laughs> sort of psycho to like yes. do this for a living. <laughs> Yeah, sound like I live that every day. Yeah. I can't watch TV without pausing it, going down the rabbit hole, trying to Google everything. And, yeah, uh, fact-checking. Yeah, oh, yeah. What, what would you say is your, specifically to Saratoga, what are, what are your challenges? Well, our biggest challenge as a company is educating people that local journalism is something to be saved. Whenever we throw an event to help us literally keep the lights on, people, oh, where are you donating this money? We are the cause. In a way, it's almost crowdsourcing, saving the media company, which is why I say that we have to kind of decide as a community sometimes. But our, you know, our events are a really fun way to get the community together, and they really help us. So as we move forward and print journalism is sort of waning, there are other ways that journalism itself can keep the community together. So we need to you know, support some of those things. You know I love an event, and it's just a great opportunity to dress up, get out on the town, and network. You know, I'm a big, big believer in your net worth is your 
network. And mm-hmm. being able to meet people face-to-face is like nothing else. I totally agree. I totally agree. And then, you know, we also take the pictures and people get to see themselves in the magazine and then they, you know, slowly learn even more people. It's it's a great way to be involved. It's a great way to meet people and get involved. So tell us your most memorable Saratoga Living cover person. You've had some pretty amazing covers. Like the late, I'm sorry, but the latest one of this is like going to date stamp, Tom stamp us, but the latest one, <laughs> what's his name? Pink, Tim, Tim Pink. Tim Pink, yep. He's adorable. Is he single? I believe so, but I don't know him on a, that personal you know, level. Oh, okay. Okay. Because yes. I, he recently like shared a post or something and he, he kind of just said like, people have given him shit for, like, what he does. He's a dog walker for a living. And, like, oh, really miss I'll that. never date you. I would never, like, this is a real job. And I was like, Tim, I will find you a date. Wow. I'm taken. But there are – and he's very tall. I've I've, I've, I've yes. met him, like, one time at the tap room once. I was, like, in passing. He's tall. He's handsome. Yes. Like, I think I could get Tim a date. Which also brings, okay, anyway, answer the question. This is what I do. I'm not a, not that I'm not a good interviewer, but I, we go off on tangents. So <laughs> we've had a lot of great covers. Um, the one that we got attention for all over the world was Dave Matthews. Again, that was, we did not interview him. It was during COVID when it was, who do you put on the cover if, you know, who has supplied art is what the term is. And so we found someone with this amazing photograph of Dave Matthews that we put on the cover. We got it off of Twitter. And um, we collected stories. And we did get some of the members of his band. And that sometimes, especially from guys, you don't always think about guys keeping the issues of the magazine. But they say that they keep the track issue and the Dave Matthews issues. So that makes me feel great that, you know, we do have men and women who read it. As far as my most memorable interview was probably Owen Wilson. I think it was at the tail end of COVID, or I forget. But I remember those days when what's going on in Saratoga was smaller and you know, it was just, Owen Wilson's here, Owen Wilson's there, and this excitement. And it was kind of the first time that the community kind of came together. And yes, some of it was coming together over complaining about traffic and things like that. But it was still, we were together again. And so um, I really, really wanted him on the cover and worked very hard to get it, trying to explain to these Hollywood publicists that uh, he needed to be on the cover of the small town magazine. Then once I got him on the phone, 12 hours before deadline, I think. He was great, and he was just telling funny stories, and he wants to come back for track, and he genuinely had a good time here. I mean, it could, you could tell. Yeah. So uh, that was Yeah, fun. it was a big, big deal, and I think it got people out to see him or run into him, and it was great. It was great for the community. Like, let's get another movie filmed here. I wouldn't yes. complain about the traffic. I thought yeah, it was wonderful. It. I tried to get um, him to come to Peyton Sip. Like, I don't get why he didn't. Well, I wanted the— What was he doing? <laughs> what was he doing? He couldn't come to Henry Street. I know. So, like, hats off to you that you got you. him to do the interview. Like, how do, you even, how do you even do that? I remember asking Marcella. I remember— how, do, how does one do that? Like, you know, like, okay, this—I know I'm, like, been really on top of the Taylor Swift-Travis Kelsey bandwagon. Like, okay, so Travis Kelsey says that, like, he— he tried to get in touch with Taylor Swift's mm-hmm. people to like give her a bracelet and could, couldn't make it happen. You know, it's like how, like if you oh, are, I see, I see. If you are Travis, so Travis Kelsey, Kelsey couldn't get her a message. How did I get Owen? Is that your question? Yeah, that, there you go. <laughs> 
So you basically go to their PR person, and it, it took, it sounds like, oh, she just sent three emails. It was probably 25 emails, you know, <laughs> explaining why this was so important and, you know, calling one of the producers in the movie. He was very helpful, getting stuff from him about how important it was. And then they, I've, you know, I used to work at the big magazine, so I know the language. And it was a little bit of that, too. I know that you're waiting to do the big guys first, but I'm telling you now, if this doesn't happen in the next three days, it's not going to happen, you know, and just sort of keeping at it and calling and emailing, calling and emailing. And I mean, even like down to the wire, you're still probably like, is he even going to pick up the phone? Am I, am I actually going to speak to him or is this going to be like an interview via email, which is never good? They're never as much fun. Nope. He uh, called me himself uh, from Hawaii and we had an interview. Yes. It was a little nerve wracking. Yeah. How do you top that? I don't know what what's coming up next. What, what are we going to do? I, I you know, know. And I don't, you know, he had such amazing things to say about Saratoga. But most of the time, local magazines like to see the people that they know on the cover. So to me, you know, topping it in different ways are some of the local characters that like we've Tim, had. Like Tim like Pink. Like Tim Pink. Exactly. Doing Tim Saratoga good. Pink. Some of his videos have more than a million views. Yeah. And um, and he's just so adorable. Like he's so good. And the puppies. I mean, if like he's who so doesn't? Good. How how are you gonna hate on puppies? You cannot. You can't. You cannot. We will. The puppy people will come for you. Yes. Okay. So you obviously coordinated a photo shoot with him and the puppies. And just for anyone who doesn't know who Tim Pink is, he is like this. This guy that has a dog walking company business. And so on a regular basis, it's almost like you're seeing a a celebrity in the wild is the dogs. It's like these dozens of dogs walking with one man. And they're just like, it's it's incredible. It is incredible. And I don't I don't know what his handle is on social media. We have just looked up Tim Ping's new Instagram. It used to be Saratoga Dog Walker. um, and it is now underscore pink underscore pup. Underscore. So a lot of underscores there. So okay. the well, reason behind that, though, is important because— Because he built, he built like a—well, I'm yes. sure you can also read the article yep. because it's going to explain it, but he built yeah. this like— Well, it's a whole retreat for dogs where you can actually get full training. So, you know, we don't put people on the cover just because we like them. We try to find that why now piece. What are they doing that's different now? Why are we putting them on the cover now instead of next June or, you know, whenever? And so the fact that he's this— world famous, really. I mean, Dog Walker, the fact that he's expanding his business to to be able to train even more dogs and spend more time with the animals. And also, you know, I just love any kind of entrepreneurial spirit. So yeah. it was perfect timing. He's doing great. It's really cool. And he does a lot of, you can definitely read the article. It's it's really is remarkable. You got to go, like people have to go look it up because Big ass dogs, little ass dogs, <laughs> walking in unison down Broadway, or you know, and and like people stop and take pictures of them and stuff, and they oh, yes. they just don't even acknowledge. It's like their leader is Tim Pink, and they don't acknowledge anyone else but him. So give me some parting words, Abby, because we could talk Saratoga living all day. <laughs> My parting words. 
Uh, I think the most important thing to me that we've talked about uh, during this interview is just the importance of finding your own path. And I think that by everybody finding their own path and then supporting everybody else as they on on their paths, that's the way that as a community we can work a little bit better together. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people have fear around some of that sometimes. And, you know, I just I just tell people over and over and over again, look at your past, get therapy. I know that you are also a therapy girl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trauma is just um, reacting to a perceived threat. It might not be, it might have once been there, but it's not there now. So whenever I'm scared about doing something or I'm not sure, it's like a truth or trauma, truth or trauma, you know, is that really what's happening now? Or am I scared because something that happened 10 years ago might happen again? That's ridiculous. Yeah. And so just to kind of check myself and then just, you know, one day after the next... Just one step in front of the other. Yes. Just get to the next day. Right now during the holiday time, I know everyone's so busy. I'm truly, I don't even look at the next day's calendar until. Well, it's also the news is just so traumatizing. It's like you can't, you can't even look ahead because like things can change tomorrow. And we've seen it. We've lived through it day in, day out. This has happened already. So it's just, I'm working on just like thinking about what I actually have control over. Yes. Thinking about how much time I actually have in the day Mm -hmm. and just trying to do my best. And, you know, one of the things you have control over is how much news you ingest, right? And I am very careful, even though I'm a news junkie, and I might read every single you know, restaurant opening, things, stories like that. I'm really careful about what energy I bring in to in the mornings before I start my day. So there are whole sections of negative news that I won't just scroll right past and, you know, check in maybe once a week. But yeah. for me, I'm not going to start off my day taking in all of that thing. And I, I can't control it. I can't. There's nothing I can do about it. So um, obviously around election time, that would be the opposite, right? I'm reading everything every day. I'm learning. But uh, just on a normal day, I'm, I'm very careful against uh, not reading all the negative news. Right, right, right. Well, if anyone wants to get a hold of you or they have a story to tell. Ooh, yes. What we love th- pitches. Yeah. So don't be intimidated to contact Abby and tell her your story. Especially Absolutely your not. local one. And Capital Region General, right? Because we do have Capital Region Living as well that covers everything else. Yep. We go down... Um, as far south as Hudson and, you know, all the way up to Glens Falls. So any stories, believe it or not, we will send emails out to hundreds of people and ask, you know, anything new going on and we don't get a lot back. So if you're sitting on a story and wishing that we were calling your house, just send me an email. It's very and, easy. And like there is a story. Everyone's got a story. Yes. And it's and it is newsworthy. And if it's positive and optimistic, I am willing to tell that no matter like hands down. I'm like I all agree. about that. All we do is celebrate. We are 100% celebratory local magazine. So if you're tired of the bad news, come aboard with us. Yes. <laughs> uh, we have a good time. Escape to your local community. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Let's let's trademark it. Great. <laughs> Next up is my facepalm mom moment this week. I'm sure if you listened to, to me last week talk about how I was going to bring my kids to Victorian Street Walk, you were like, you knew I was going to have to bring this up again because it was total facepalm mom moment. I brought all three kids with me to Victorian Street Walk, which is such a lovely event that Downtown Business Association in Saratoga Springs puts together. All the, the streets are blocked off. There's so many people downtown. All the windows are decorated. There's live ballerinas in a lot of the windows. So much fun. 
And overall, it's a good experience. But I brought all three kids by myself. They had to go see uh, Allie at Piper because, you know, we're really close to Allie. So every time we're downtown, we got to go see Allie. There's usually candy there. So, you know, you're being pulled in all sorts of different directions. But the, what is it, the straw that broke the camel's back? was when they had these carnival-like vendor, and they had these hats and these light-up wands and these spinny things, and I avoided it up until the very last moment. We, like, walked South Broadway, stopped at Alley, got cotton—I got these kids cotton candy. I got them hot cocoa. I got them cider donuts. I did all the things, and then we got up to this carny cart, vendor cart, and Ruby—surprise, surprise— who's not surprised here that she's the one who like loses her shit because I told her we weren't going to get one of those clap hats. Like, really? No, I'm not getting that for you. I did ask how much it cost. It was 20 bucks. And I was like, hell no, like I'm not doing this. I thought we would, we would distract her by the beautiful Christmas trees and all the things going on at the city center. And Ruby just lost it. And it, it just went downhill from there. I'm not going to shame the other parent that we were with that bought their child something from this vendor cart. But really, that is what set it all off. You know, like another kid was getting something and then my kid wasn't. And it was a life lesson for Ruby that just because another kid gets something doesn't mean she's going to get it. I almost feel like now you're definitely not going to get it. Just like to prove a purpose, right? Like we're not just going to keep up with the Joneses here at the at this downtown. And that's what we were talking about. I was like, we are not just going to get something because they're getting, I mean, I went, I went full on crazy person. And in these types of situations, I kind of don't even know what to do because I mean, it's in the public space. It's like, you know, it's awkward. There are people staring like, why is this child screaming, bloody murder. You know, again, for you can't, you got to parent all these kids differently, right? Like for Posey, I would walk away a little bit and she would hold it. She would like pull herself together and come after me, right? Ruby doesn't do that. She just screams louder and causes more of a, a scene and attention. And it is so dramatic and traumatic, I'm sure. In that moment, I was like, what was I thinking? Why? Why did I think that this could be a pleasant experience? Ruby cried herself to sleep because she didn't get a clap hat from the carnival vendor at the downtown Victorian Street Walk. <sighs> Total face pop mom moment. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you want to connect with me, slide into my DMs on Instagram. My handle is Katherine Hover.